o'clock. Appreciate you joining us. Jam along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's Tuesday. Glad to have you back with us. Got our pole dancing today. Top five NFL. Top five best hot stove league moves in baseball, both free agents, but free agency, but also trades as well. So you got something to share with us today on that. And also, top five quarterbacks for the Broncos in 2024. Of the guys we think could end up replacing Russ in 2024. So we'll have that coming up. And you can participate in that as well. Send us a text today. The Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. I've got a text from RJ in Delta, listening at 102.1 FM. Uh, We mentioned earlier that uh, Joe Walsh, the owner of uh, Chick-fil-A, passing away a couple of days ago. Uh, RJ, my condolences to the entire Walsh family. Chick-fil-A will not be the same for a while. My wife is good friends with Joe's wife. On a lighter note, don't be surprised when the Giants sign Russell Wilson when he is released, and Dybul has Russ winning like his days in Seattle. It'll be interesting to see what Sean Payton's plan is going forward at quarterback. Well, thank you. Appreciate uh, uh, the text, uh, RJ, about uh, the passing of uh, Joe Walsh over at uh, Chick-fil-A. So if you've got uh, some thoughts about um, Broncos and the next move of quarterback, uh, also college football playoff championship game, Michigan against Washington, but the semifinals, let's hope Let's hope the championship game lives up to it because remember last year we had two really good semifinals? Yeah, and a Great. dog. And an absolute woof. Dog for a national championship game. Georgia just took TCU and just took them out behind the woodshed and mm-hmm. just, just crushed them. Although if it's going to be that way, I, I hope upon hope it's a Washington curb stomping. <laughs> I know. You're hoping it goes that direction. I know you got <laughs> Harbaugh's comment about Tom Brady. Oh, geez. Topical. Because he talked about J.J. McCarthy being the, the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. And he was 26-1, and one, so that's not bad. But also, let's win something. Yeah. Before you put him ahead of guys who have won something before. Who have gone on to be... Great. Maybe not well, just a great. Win a national championship. Maybe not a. Maybe Tom was not a great Michigan quarterback. No. But he went on to be probably the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I yes. know a lot of people still don't like that, but we'll. I think that's how you and I think mm-hmm. feel about Tom Brady. But also, like, Tom couldn't beat out guys like Elvis Gerbach to start. But like, people seem to forget that. Brian Greasy won a national championship. Yeah, his numbers weren't great because they ran the ball a ton. But he did quarterback them to a title. Here, but he did what, actually win something. But here's what Harbaugh said. He acknowledged Brady, and he said of J.J. McCarthy, in a college career, there's been nobody in Michigan better than J.J. He's 26-1. and one. And Career, his, okay. Career's 26-1. and one. Had three... Champion, three touchdowns in the semifinal game. Now mm-hmm. we'll see what happens in the in the title game coming up Monday. And Michigan and they'd only gained forty one yards in the second half before McCarthy really got it going. Seventeen to twenty seven, two twenty one through for the three touchdowns. 
How would J.J. McCarthy played this year, however, without honoring the memory of the late Jim Harbaugh twice? I don't know, because that, that, that was the impetus. That yeah. was the, the thing that spurred the Wolverines on, the passing twice of Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He never died. He, he got didn't suspended. actually die. He got suspended yeah. for stuff. And how much of a red-ass Jim Harbaugh is? You know how hard it is for him to say somebody at Michigan is better than him? It's got to be... Yeah, because he's, he's got He has to acknowledge that the JJ McCarthy's better than he was when yeah, he played he's there. Better than me. Yeah. And and flip it over to Washington for a moment. They were four and eight in twenty twenty one, and Kalen to, to go to eleven and two. Mm-hmm. DeBoer's done a great job there. Kalen DeBoer's done a fantastic job. A Big Ten conference game preview, like that. But also, I, we just kind of touched on it with Wyatt a little bit, and he made the point I was prepared to make. Washington's got a lot better chance of keeping their quarterback upright than Alabama did Jalen Milrow. Yeah. Six sacks and like three of them on one drive. It was awful. That game could have gone a completely different direction if that early interception is upheld. I He stepped out of bounds, so it wasn't like they got screwed like the Lions did. But... If yeah, the Washington down offensive ball, line. Yeah, it's it's a it's a much mm-hmm. better unit. Yeah, and I think, and I think Michael Panix Jr. is a better quarterback than Jalen Milrow to begin with. And it's going to be, as it should be, their toughest game is going to be in the national championship game. Both teams. That's saying something for yeah. Washington too. They've had Oregon twice, and then Texas. And then you've got you got a, a, a really good offensive line of Washington. Mm-hmm. Roman Adunzi. 125 yards in the game. Polk caught a touchdown. They got yeah. Dylan Johnson who did not have a phenomenal game run with football uh, in terms of yardage, but he had two touchdowns. They have the ability to give their quarterback some help where I don't think Alabama really did. Well, I, I think Jalen Milrow can develop into being a better passer. There's a couple mm-hmm. throws in that game that were really impressive sideline routes that he threw that – that's that's an area of weakness for him. Like, there's a guy, arm side, like right in his vision, bursting through the line. He doesn't even move. He just turtles. Like, doesn't even bother to try to get rid of the football or anything. And I think that's something you learn the more you play. And he, he's just not there yet for Jalen Milrow. And I think in that same situation, Michael Penix Jr. has a better chance of either getting away or not losing 12 yards on the drop back. And for Michael Penix Jr., he had four consecutive season-ending injuries in his career. He's like 30, almost. (laughs) Played a lot of football when he's been healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 2018, three games of true freshman, ACL tear in October, 2019 dislocated the SC joint in his non-throwing shoulder. Okay, he's 23, but still. That's when Indiana went. They was seven and two when he went down. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty, the COVID shortened season. Uh, threw for three forty two and three touchdowns for Indiana and went over Michigan, and then scared ah. the then scared the crap out of your team. Yes, for, he did. Four ninety one and five touchdowns. That was the oh, this kid's going to be a problem. And then when he transfers, like oh, thank you, thank goodness. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, he but man, was. But man, he's good. And, and you know, the injury history, that's got to be something that's concerning about him. Mm-hmm. But the last couple of years, he's been pretty solid. That seems like that's a that's part of the story you can kind of maybe put in the past a little bit for Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. And then Bo Nix yesterday. Um, Bo Nix is pretty good. Liberty get, opted out, apparently. I get, I get, it's, a, I get it's a Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Uh, I love those commercials, by the way. 45-6 to six victory over Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl. Scored 45 unanswered. Liberty went up first. I'd have caught a little bit of the Oregon crew on there like, well, Liberty leads here, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. We know it's going to. Now, I didn't think it was going to happen with 28 points in the second quarter. They threw for five touchdowns, 363. He also broke Marcus Mariota's single season school records for yards and touchdowns. That's pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mark Hizzle might say the Bo Nix is, oh, he likes to check down too much. So, uh, apparently, to the, to the tune of being the all-time leading passer, yeah, in Oregon history, like it's, I understand he doesn't throw the ball down the field or whatever, but again, how often are you doing that? How often are you chucking forty-yard bombs twice a game, once per half? You usually uncork one of those huge throw down the, you know, Joe Flacco-esque yeah. just chuck and duck. And a lot of times they don't really work out, especially when you don't have anybody, you know, outstanding enough to catch it. If he dumps down 28 times out of 35 passes for 363 yards and five touchdowns, who cares? Have you scored yeah. five touchdowns this month as an offense if you're the Broncos? He did it. In two quarters. <laughs> exactly. All right. So coming up, we'll have our uh, pole dancing top five NFL. Top five best moves during hot stove league. And then our, our top five candidates mm-hmm. to be the Broncos next quarterback. So uh, we'll have that coming up in just a little bit. Also, our Broncos report with Cody York. But it's time right now for... Yeah! The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right, let's start out. Sean Payton doing his normal phone presser with the media on Monday. Broncos, they get the win against the Chargers, but unfortunately Kansas City comes back to beat the Bengals to clinch the AFC West. That was probably the Broncos' best path to a postseason berth. Pittsburgh went to Seattle, got the win against the Seahawks there. That took them out of wild card consideration. So uh, Sean Payton talked about, well, it was great to win, particularly last home game of the season. It was disappointing that they are out of the playoff picture. Saying, obviously, a good win to get, hard-fought win. I thought our defense played extremely well. We had one takeaway. We stopped them on a fake punt. Obviously, we did enough. But the penalties, the two false starts in the one-yard line, we got to get that cleaned up. And about make, not making the playoffs, he says, it is what it is. Lord, I hate that phrase. Uh, I mean, look, we kind of had that opportunity to win a week ago and then ugh. Okay. Here's some Sean Payton talking about uh, Jared Stidham, his new favorite buddy, mm-hmm. new shiny toy. Big spark. Big spark, guy. Big spark. 
thought Jared did a good job after seeing the tape with his decisions, the ball security, all those things that you, you want to see from the, that position. You know, the big play to LJ was a heck of a play by, uh, by LJ. Protection was good. So a lot of positives to build off of. Yeah, with the Chargers tackling like it's the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. The flag version, even. <laughs> yeah, the fl- yeah, the flag version. Uh, here's Sean Payton on if benching Russ is the hardest decision he's ever had to make. I think everyone has responded well. I mean, it's our job. It's the NFL. It's not, uh, you know, it, it, sometimes when you're in this position, those are tough decisions. Um, trying to figure out where it would stack or rank, uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I think always the, the most difficult decisions in my opinion, are ones where, um, you know, you end up uh, it, it, not demoting a player or a player ends up playing less, but it, it always, uh, the ones that I always remember are the ones where you're parting ways with a player you've been with a long time. Back to the initial question, though. Um, I, I think, uh, look, this team's been resilient. They've been tough. Uh, you know, we battled through adversity and, and, um, and so I, I liked how the response was last week. Okay. Did you catch? Well, if it's harder when it's a guy that's been with you for a long time. Okay. I get that. Mm-hmm. But you just benched Russell Wilson, who they, they gave up a lot to bring in. You know that Sean, they gave an ungodly extension to, and this is going to be a real problem moving forward if you try to walk from him. And you also got a quarterback that's a veteran guy, could be a Hall of Famer. Russell Wilson probably will end up being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A guy that's had a big bounce-back season, played well, maybe not great, but played well enough. There's, there's There's not any remorse there of, hey, Russ has been a really good guy, He's been, he's one of our captains. He's one of the leaders of our team. Really tough decision. Felt like it was the right one to make right now. Felt like that we wanted to give Jared Stimmel the opportunity to, to maybe show us what he can do here. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot, any, any true remorse there, is there? No. And the thing I feel about Sean Payton is it doesn't matter how good a person or how good a teammate, or how locked in Russell Wilson is, as soon as the decision is made to move past him, he's now the enemy, and he's the worst person. And that's how Sean Payton feels. It's like he is the enemy, and he is standing in my way. It doesn't matter what respect he deserves or earns as a player. I want him out of there, and I'm going to do whatever I can yeah, I, I just, to get it done. Exactly. I just feel like wouldn't, wouldn't there and shouldn't there be a little more... Man, it was a tough call. Hated to do it, but it felt like Jared is giving us the best opportunity right now. Uh, yeah, it's tough because Russ works his mm-hmm. butt off. He's such a good guy in the locker room. But Sean you Payton's know. from that Bill Parcells line of these aren't people. These are, for la- for to use Bill ba- Parcells is only, to use his term, these are groceries. These are means to it. They're not people. They're pod they're strictly checkers pieces that's the line that sean payton comes from yeah there, there doesn't seem to be at least in my opinion re- listening to the comments uh, a, a ton of empathy does he have to sit there and oh, oh, oh russ it's 
Uh, you know, yeah, it's a tough call. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. He's played. He play, He's played hard. He's improved a lot this season. That was a tough decision for me to make, considering what he means to his teammates, what he means to this team. He makes yeah, it, it sound tough. like he didn't have to think twice about benching a guy that 14 months ago was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Here's some more Sean Payton on playing arresting players at this point of the season. Seeing the Dolphins see uh, Bradley Chubb in a 30, they were losing by 30 when he tore his ACL. And I know this is tricky, and you've kind of touched upon it about tough decisions like in field position. I'm assuming that is tricky here too um, to, to balance things out about who plays, who doesn't play. So I'm curious what your philosophy is in a game that, yeah, it's important to get your ninth win, but it's the, not the outcome is It's not tricky at all. I respect the question. It's not tricky at all. Um, and I, I didn't see the end of I, – I get – here's the thing that I would say. Um, on game day, there aren't enough players to rest everyone when the lead is – or the you know the game is decided. There just isn't. Um, and so in college, there is. Um, and so now, I think having talked about what happened with Miami has nothing to do with our topic. Our topic, I think – is what I'm hearing you say. Do we approach it differently now? And absolutely not. We do everything, everything in our power to win this game. That it's, it's that important. Um, from who's playing quarterback to who's starting at the offensive line to who's starting on defense. Um, and it's that simple. All right, that's Sean Payton about not playing starters, final game. That kind of thing, making that decision about uh, particularly what happened with Bradley Chubb, former mm-hmm. Bronco, member of the Dolphins that uh, that tore his ACL. Why? Why was he still playing? We were up by thirty. I don't. I don't get that either. Yeah, and like, like you said, Miami is down like a hundred points in that game. It felt like they they could have played for three more weeks and never gotten even in that. What's he still doing out there? Yeah, they were. They were. They were down. By 30 in that game. Mm-hmm. I think I said they were up by 30. They were down by Felt 30. Felt like way more. Felt like way more than that. At that point, what? You got the playoffs what are coming you up. Doing? You got the playoffs coming up. You're going to be a playoff team. What? What are you? What are you doing? Yeah, Baltimore. Um, definitely. They uh, definitely handled <sighs> them. There's no doubt about that. So right now, AFC playoff picture. Got the Ravens, who are give me your number. They're the number one seed right now. They're talking about not playing Lamar Jackson against the Steelers, which makes they have nothing to gain there. Makes sense, especially after watching Bradley Chubb get carted yeah, exactly. off. Exactly, absolutely. Dolphins, Chiefs, Jags, Browns, Bills, and Colts. Now there is a path for the Steelers still, if I remember, if memory serves me correctly that they have to beat the Ravens and hope Jacksonville loses, I believe, is what I saw over the weekend. I think that's right. Because Indianapolis and Houston play each other. Right. So the winner is in. And I think if Jacksonville loses, then the winner of Houston-Indianapolis is going to win the division. And I think that's – I think that is – the correct path right so still in it are the texans and the mm-hmm. steelers both at nine and seven and then your nfc plat picture the niners are the number one seed cowboys lions bucks eagles rams and packers 
the Packers get into the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers doesn't. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That'd be great. But still got a lot of teams that are still. That's true. They're still in this. The Seahawks and the Saints are both 8-8. Eight and eight. Mm-hmm. The Vikings and Falcons at 7-9 and nine could all. One of them could, could possibly. Those teams still have a shot. Yeah, to, to make the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah, the Vikings need like a Mario Kart type disaster in front of them to get get in. But there are four teams at eight and eight in the NFC, and there are four teams at nine and seven in the AFC. And so for the Broncos, among the group in the AFC that will not be playing in the playoffs, but Denver still has something to, to shoot for this Sunday mm-hmm. in, in Las Vegas, and their first winning record since 2016. I said they'd win nine games. That's looking like they've it. got a they've got a decent shot at uh, Vegas to make that happen. Uh, Sunday will have the game pre uh, pregame with countdown to kickoff at noon two twenty five kickoff from Allegiant Stadium. Halligant. Halligant. I think if you're the tech, if you're the Broncos, you're pulling for the Colts, right? Because if the Texans and you have the same record, you vault them in draft pick order based on head-to-head. Correct. And they'll still have two because they have the Browns' first-round draft picks for infinity. See, there's still some things to play for if you're Mm -hmm. the Broncos. All right, 822. Jim Lowe, the Buckeye boy. And it's time for Triple Play Records Stadium Cinema. Know your sports TV shows and movies? Let's play Stadium Cinema on the team. Yes, up for grabs today. It's the downtown double play with Triple Play. Our friends at Triple Play Records, a $20 gift certificate and a small antipasto salad courtesy of Junction Square Pizza. First correct answer on the text line, 970-242-1340, gets both prizes. There is no age restriction. Uh, We didn't do any prizes last week, so your two-week moratorium should be pretty easy to uh, filter through there for uh, some of the pile. And again... Who wouldn't want these two fantastic prizes? But there are those strange people out there that just want to be smart but don't want to win the actual prizes. If you're one of those, don't play. Just let let somebody who would love to enjoy and give this salad and $20 worth of triple play goods and services a nice home. First correct answer on the text line, 970-242-1340, identifying this sports movie. Hey, go to play some hockey? All right, first correct answer wins today. Identify the movie to win the downtown the specific double specific movie. Yeah, the specific movie. The downtown double play with triple play. Can also win that small antipasto salad from Junction Square Pizza. Send your answer in right now. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports' Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. Covers the Broncos for Mile High Sports. You can read his work at MileHighSports.com. Also hosts the Lockdown Broncos podcast. He's our Broncos insider. Brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. Cody Rourke joins us. Cody, Happy New Year. How you doing? I'm good, Jim. Happy New Year. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. So, Jared Stidham gets a start. Supposed to provide a, air quote, spark for the Broncos offense. And it wasn't that Jarrett Stidham played badly. 224 through the touchdown pass, which a lot of that was yak on the part of uh, little Jordan Humphrey. But uh, your your takeaway and what you saw from Jarrett Stidham, and, and to be fair to Jarrett Stidham, probably put in a really difficult spot 
being called a spark. Expectations were probably 350 and three touchdowns and that kind of thing. His numbers were more rust-like than anything. Just your takeaway from what you saw from Stidham on Sunday. Uh, you know, I think generally it wasn't it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. Um, I mean, also factoring in no Cortland Sutton, no Marvin Mims, and really the run game once again. Just you know, there were times where they had a couple of big runs, but the run game really wasn't a, a big focal point for them either. I mean, it took Javante had 15 carries for 41 yards. You know, the run game was not working for him. Jaleel was really the only guy who had a, you know some big runs, eight carries for uh, 44 yards. You know, in this game this past week, but. Um, you know, I think for Denver, I think the one thing I saw from Stidham is that, you know, at least there was some middle-of-the-field throwing. There were slant passes. There were deep overs. He had a couple of uh, third-down conversions I thought were really big for the team. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I think fans were expecting him to go out there and light it up. The reality is that this is this is his first snaps of 2023, of this season. And I, I think anyone expecting him to go out there and just put up, you know, massive numbers the way that he did last year for the Raiders in that one game, I think it's just wild, you know, to, to assume that. But, um, you know, I thought he did a solid job commanding the offense. He protected the football, and I think that's the important thing. And I agree with you. I mean, there were more throws between the hash marks. That's something that Russ just doesn't do. And there were certain things that I, I liked about what I saw from Jared Stidham as well. But I think most people are going to say, you know, think like the play to L.J. Humphrey. That's a play Russ could have made. I mean, it's a it's a ten yard pass down the field. Did a nice job. I mean, it was a good play. There was nothing wrong with what Stidham did. He he did a great job of of getting out of the pocket and extending the play and and finding um, little Jordan Humphrey for for that big you know touchdown play that that LJ put together. I, I just yeah, I I think it's it's unfortunate because it's not fair to Jared Stidham making his first start this season, only his third career start. But the numbers are simply what what you would probably see from Russell Wilson for the most part, I guess. I guess people expect an upgrade, and that's what they yeah. thought by making this move. And it was, it felt very, very lateral, if anything, at least when you look at the numbers. Yeah, no, 100%. And look, they opened up the second half, and the same result happened. It didn't matter who's the quarterback. They went backwards in the first play of the second half, and they punted in the first drive of their second half, and they just couldn't get anything going. I mean, that is just that's an offensive issue and you know everyone's so fixated on quarterback quarterback but it's like hey that's the story of the offense that's been the offensive story all season long so i'm not sure what it is i'm not sure you know i i'm you know Peyton at times like even one one time last week he told us he said i've got to learn how to be more patient calling plays like you're in week 17 you have to be more patient calling plays you know what's what's the issue like where is where's the disconnect here so um, you know, this offense has a lot of work, and obviously, you know, even for Stidham in this game, too, you know, you lose Mike McGlinchey to a rib injury, Cam Fleming has to step in, and uh, it's just, you know, I think the expectations that, you know, the fan base has on quarterbacks is very, very high. Um, the reality of the situation is with the Russell Wilson split coming up here in March, that's going to put Denver in a really tough position. It's either going to be Stidham next year or it's going to be a rookie quarterback, in my opinion, that Denver's going to have to look to draft and, and play, and the reality is I think that this offense still needs some help along the way. It's not just QB, but, you know, it's multiple pieces. And, you know, even before Russell Wilson was acquired, we were all saying, okay, hey, like, okay, they're a quarterback away. Well, the reality is, is they weren't a quarterback away, but now they're not even just a quarterback away. They need several things to go well for them on the offensive side going forward. So uh, a lot of questions as the team prepares for their season finale here against the Raiders. You get a feeling Jaleel McLaughlin has go- got a lot of opportunities Sunday. 
against the Chargers. We expect probably more of the same against the Raiders. That you know, and Peyton's made that you know that um, comparison to uh, Alvin Kamara, you know, that Joker back guy that can be a really good third down guy. Maybe he's not going to be an every uh, every down kind of back where Kamara's kind of more that player, but you get the sense that there, he is trying to to get him into the mix more for 2024. Yeah, I think that's going to be kind of maybe the goal and the key. Sean Payton told us yesterday that you know he's kind of earned a little bit of an expanded role, and it, it's kind of changed in the last couple of weeks for some reason. You know, at the beginning of the year, we saw a lot of Jaleel. Uh, the midway part of the season, we saw a lot of Samaje. Now it seems like we're going back and seeing a lot more of Jaleel, and Sean even alluded to him as playing a little bit of that joker role here. Um, I mean, he's just making plays out of the backfield. He's got good vision. It's been nice to see him get going a little bit as of late, and I think that he's some guy that Sean Payton definitely wants to build around going forward in terms of his skill set and what he can bring to the offense. Cody Rourke, our Broncos insider, covers the Broncos for My Life Sports and Locked On Broncos Broncos podcast, joins us uh, every Tuesday and Thursday on the Jim Davis Show. So I I imagine you were probably at Russ's presser. Uh, Just your takeaway about what Russ had to say about uh, what transpired in regard to the asking of the deferment of the guarantee, uh, the the threat of being benched, and those kind of things. Well, I mean, you know, Russ is just very honest, very open, and, you know, it was nice to hear. It was nice to hear his side of the story. I feel like so much of what we see that happens behind the scenes in the NFL, you know, fans are, you know, sometimes united against a player. I think that we've seen kind of a split a little bit. Um, you know, I think what... what I think what's happened with Russ, you know, I, I don't agree with the premise of it. I don't think it was the right thing. It's not a great look for the organization, though I understand why, you know, the organization had every right to ask Russ to defer his injury, you know, his injury guarantee. And Russ had every right to say no. Um, just the whole thought, like, oh, hey, like, if you don't do it, we're going to bench you. That is where things are a little muddy. And that's why, obviously, the NFLPA got involved. I'm told that there's going to be some new details that come out here in the next week and a half, two weeks whenever Denver's season ends subsequently, and then obviously the team prepares for the offseason. So I think that we're going to hear some more details coming out on, on the side of it, but Denver's now in a position where, you know, how does this impact the optics of how teams or how certain players maybe view the Broncos in-house or out-of-market free agents that they could be potentially looking at? Things to consider here, but for us, you know, just genuine, just, you know, he's, he was genuinely disappointed with how everything has gone down. He obviously he expressed he wants to play here. He wants to still be here. That was the goal of why he came here. And uh, if not, he says, you know, he's going to go do it somewhere else. And I have the utmost confidence that he can go do it somewhere else. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he ends up in the AFC West with the Raiders after it's all said and done. Will George Payton still be the Broncos GM in 2024 after this is all, after the dust all settles? Yeah, I think he will be. I, you know, he he and Sean Payton have a great relationship, and the only way I could see him not being back is if this thing gets so messy that you know Sean Payton's like, you know, we're just going to go the other way. Like the, Bron- the the general vibe is that the Broncos front office, the ownership group, is entrusting Sean Payton to make these decisions, and ultimately, if George Payton is back, it is Sean Payton's call this upcoming year. Um, the one thing that was weird to me was that earlier this week in a press conference, Sean Payton had said that he's not privy to any of those discussions and that George Payton handles that. I have a hard time believing yeah. that George Payton would be engaging in those conversations with Russell Wilson's representation saying, hey, if you don't do it, we're going to bench you, and Sean Payton not knowing about it. So to me, 
I don't know, is that setting up for a potential, you know, parting of ways? It could be. Um, but the reality is, is, knowing what I know is that Peyton and Pey- yeah, Peyton, both these guys, they talk every day. And, and Sean Peyton has even said, we talk 24-7. So um, I think so much of it is about being on the same page. And, and the reality is I don't know, if, you know, who Sean Peyton would bring in if, in fact, they do part ways with George Peyton. But I imagine it'd be someone with ties to the New Orleans Saints organization, which... Once again, is that the way that the Broncos really want to go? It's a risk, in my opinion, Jim. So uh, I'm going to say he's going to stay for now. All right. Of, of the teams that played yesterday in college football playoff semifinals, the one or two players you would love to see in a Broncos uniform from that group? Man, there's there's quite a bit. You know, I think uh, I like some of the receivers, like Adunze from Washington. I, I really, really like him. I think he's a talented player. You can make the argument he might have been the best wide receiver in college football this year. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about Michael Penix. And, you know, I, I like Penix. Penix, wow, what a performance that he had. Obviously, last night, deep ball accuracy to touch. I think the major concern around him is medicals. You know, he's had two season-ending shoulder injuries. He's had two ACL injuries over the course of his career. Um, can can he sustain that? Is that something that's going to impact him negatively in the NFL draft? I think it's something to keep an eye on. Um, and then, obviously, I think you take a look at it. Some people are talking about J.J. McCarthy. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'd feel like J.J. McCarthy would be a great fit in Denver. I, I, that, to me, I think is like the trap player, in my opinion, of this year's NFL draft when we talk about quarterbacks or Denver being interested. Um, but, yeah, no, I'll tell you, those are the probably the guys I'd have my eye on. All right, Cody, appreciate it. Of course, you can catch Cody's report later on today, 420. You're on the team. We'll talk more about the Broncos and the Raiders coming up on Thursday. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Go Tigers. All right, there he goes. Cody Ork, My Life Sports, Locked On Broncos podcast. All right, 837, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. And I believe we have a winner for Triple Play Record Stadium Cinema. Yes, we do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Ron correctly identifying D2, the Mighty Ducks. Good job, Ron. Yes. And Ron says he's he enjoys listening to our show. Hey, thanks, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate that. Broncos, Sarge. Uh, here's my take from the Broncos game. We've got the same numbers from Stidham as we did from Russ. That should tell you everything you need to know about Russ. If he wasn't making elite quarterback money, he'd still be the quarterback. Yep, fair enough. But you still look at his numbers, though. The touchdown-interception ratio. The, 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 I mean, that's that, that says a lot about how, how far, and you mentioned this team, as, as, as far as it goes as a scoring offense, how much it's improved this mm-hmm. year. It's gone from 32nd and last to 17th. Which that's a, that's a healthy improvement, and yeah. Russ is a big part of that. You can't say that Russ had nothing to do with that. In the first year under a new regime. Yeah. I get the point that Bronco Sarge is trying to make. Like, if you're going to get those type of numbers from a quarterback, you might as well pay him a hell of a lot less. And that's where they got with Jared Stidham right that. now. But the way it went down and the way Sean is, Payton does this sort of thing is, is terrible. terrible. And... When you look outside, if you're a free agent quarterback, what it's not like you have an elite offense to work around. You just have to deal with a jerk of a head coach. It's not like there's an elite defense and all you have to do is just guide the offense down the field for a couple of three scores every game. 
you have to do all of this and be on a very average football team. Most of your top-end elites aren't going to want to do that. And like Cody was referencing, that there's going to be more coming out about what happened with what George Payton told to the, you know, said to the agent of, of Russell Wilson about him being benched if he didn't defer the guaranteed money, the, the injury guarantee money. It's not a good look for the Broncos in trying to get free agents to come in. It's not. It's a bad look. And I, I just I just think you have to be, if you're the Broncos, you have to be concerned about that. That players are going to go, do I really want to go there and play? Do I want to go play quarterback for Sean Payton? I don't know if I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Because look what happened to Russ. Do I want to go through that? I'm not going to make Russ, Russell Wilson kind of money, but do I want to go through that? I think there's going to, there definitely will be those that are kind of going, eh, I'm not, I'm not so sure that I want to go play for the Broncos. And that's, I think that's fair for people to have that kind of opinion. All right, 840, we'll have pole dancing coming up in just a moment. You can text or call us, Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. Let's hop into four down territory. We're into four down territory on the Jim Davis show on the team. All right. I know you, you don't want to hear more about Michigan. I know you don't Buckeye. What a, but that's what I'm going to talk group. about them though. What a resilient group to survive you know, the, Jim Harbaugh's death. The death. Twice. He died twice. Yeah. Came back. Guides him to the national championship game. What a hero. That uh, J.J. McCarthy let superstitions get the best of him this week, but but perhaps those superstitions helped him get the best of Alabama. And McCarthy with the three touchdown passes, the win over Alabama last night. When he talked uh, to ESPN after the game, McCarthy shared that he didn't touch a rose all week due to superstitions, but then he had one in his mouth after the result went final. This game just means so much to me, and I have superstition like back in hockey, how they do with the Stanley Cup. I didn't touch it all week, and I was just waiting for this moment to put it in my mouth. So, J.J. McCarthy okay, let gets, me ask gets, you, gets the rose Let me ask you night. this. Outside of the rose parade and the bachelor, how yeah. How often are you around roses? Were they, were they all over the hotel? Like, I mean, did you have to move it off your plate at a team meal or something? I don't I'm good know. good for you. Oh, my gosh. You survived doing something every man does 363 days out of the year. Not touching roses. Good job. Right. Valentine's Day, anniversary, and maybe your wife's birthday. <laughs> Those are the three days a year we touch roses. I doubt JJ, good for you, J.J. McCarthy. I doubt J.J. McCarthy... Is into growing roses. That's what it was. In his dorm room. Had nothing to do with an average offensive line for Alabama. <laughs> All right, second down. We talked about the Pop-Tart Bowl where you got to eat the mascot. Yeah. Uh, the, the cheese and citrus bowl, which I'd like to forget because that's where Tennessee crushed my Ooh. Iowa Hawkeyes 35 to nothing. Crime that, scene tape around that stadium. But while... Um, while they were talking to Josh Heupel, Tennessee's coach, and talking to some of the players after the game, they had the cheese at mascot, which I did not realize his name was Ched Z. Didn't realize he had a name. He was sitting behind them, and he slipped a box between the coach and the quarterback, 
while they were doing their presser. And I guess then they realized, oh, I need to, we need to hold this up. And then Ched Z apparently slipped, uh, slipped out of camera view. Uh, did you see the Tennessee player? I don't remember his name. He has an NIL deal with Cheez-It, so he had one put in his hair. Not an actual Cheez-It, but it, they had the like an orange square. It's pretty pretty solid work there. And ironic that he was sponsored by Cheez-It and got and, into the and, Cheez-It. And also yesterday, uh, <laughs> Iowa putter Tory Taylor with uh, since the NCAA season second re- season record for punting yards. Congratulations to Yay. Tory Taylor of my Iowa Hawkeyes. The team's offensive MVP. <laughs> the punter uh, for Iowa. Uh, third down, Ohio State center Carson Hintzman got very candid in a podcast, which then got the podcast deleted. He was on the B&B podcast, and he got very open about life under Ryan Day claimed they had far fewer practices ahead of their Iowa uh, showing in the Cotton Bowl than they did for their bowl prep last year, replacing them with light workouts. He also said that uh, Ohio State doesn't really like to pay guys a whole lot, claiming offensive linemen in particular don't get paid. And Hintzman, then the podcast was deleted and wiped as best as people can from the Internet. And then Hintzman didn't play the starting center, (laughs) DNPCD. In the Cotton Bowl. Wait, is it, was he going to get back to Ryan Day? What do you think that was? What I is guess. This? Dude, you but did also, a podcast. Somebody was going to tell Ryan Day that you're on a podcast talking crap about Ohio State. In the podcast, he says, yeah, the backup's going to get a lot of playing time for some NFL film. And then he got all of the playing time. Uh, we moved down to uh, fourth down. The Colorado Buffaloes, you may have heard, got a lot of publicity this year. A lot of it from the outside, but also there's always film, there's always tape rolling inside the facility at Boulder. And Deion Sanders did an interview with People Magazine uh, talking about this last season. And Coach says, you always wish you had a little more privacy. I did talk about this a while back. Did you? That's okay. Go ahead. This okay. I saw this on Awful Announcing the other day. Uh, yesterday. He says, you always just had a little privacy. Same thing that makes you shine will show your blemishes. Well, he is the controller of privacy last. think your take is the same as mine on this. Yeah. You don't get to have all the, all, all the film crews around and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then I just wish I had some privacy. Right. I wish the cameras weren't in my face all the time. You welcome them in. It's you not won. like the Truman Show where you wake up in this life. Like, you, you're the reason they're all there. You you want that. You ask for that. Right. And it's not even just the Prime and the ESPN. And big, like, your son is literally videotaping all of your movements. Like, that's a little closer to home than calling Jeff Bezos and being like, hey, bro, uh, you get your people out of my office. No, your son is, is the one your doing son. it. This is not not even Shadur, not Shiloh. This is literally Deion Sanders taping Deion Sanders. <laughs> yes. So just saying. Yeah. Just just saying, Deion. You don't yeah. get to cry about it. All right. That's four down territory. Pole dancing coming up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Craptastic. That's just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. We got it together, didn't we? All right, coming to the stage, yeah. it's Amber. We've Remember, everybody, $14 comic 
Let me ask you a question. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, isn't it really, really nice? Get those dollar bills out. It's time for pole dancing. I can easily... All right, our top five NFL, top five best moves of the hot stove league, and then our five quarterbacks to replace Russell Wilson as the Broncos quarterback. So here we go. Start things out with the NFL. Maybe, possibly. Here we go. Let's see. I'll just go. Let's just do five through one on all these, right? We'll each do our own. And so five through one for me as far as my top five NFL. Miami, Detroit, Dallas, San Francisco, Baltimore are my top five right now in the NFL. What about are you? Hello, you over there? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, did, I didn't know if you were gonna yeah. continue on. No, I was just that. Those are my five: Miami's fifth, Detroit, Dallas, San Francisco, Baltimore. All right, my five is Detroit, the Lions. Even though the way it ended in Dallas is wonky, I still think they're. They went to Dallas with a team that plays really well at home. Yes, they and do. They pummeled them. I have my Cleveland Browns number four, Dallas number three, San Francisco and Baltimore. I think are pretty definitively one and two. Uh, in the NFL. All right, so top five best hot stove league moves. Mm-hmm. So I've got the guy that pitched here in Grand Junction, Craig Kimbrell, signing with Baltimore. Because I of, about that one. Because of the Batista injury. Remember, he's out yeah, for the season. that's right. And so they needed somebody to replace him in Baltimore. It's a one-year, $13 million deal. Felix Batista out for the entire season after, after having Tommy John surgery. So I... I Kimbrell's not what he once was, but right now you you need a closer and Kimbrell's veteran guy, a lot of experience. You're also not spending a lot of money on him either. My, my number four one is Michael Waka. Waka Waka. Waka Waka. Michael Waka, two-year, $32 million deal with Kansas City where the Royals seem very determined to go, okay, we just need to spend some money to bring some arms in here. And, and Waka's... Is he a frontline guy? No, probably not going to be a Cy Young not guy. Anymore. But he's a good mid-rotation guy. And their rotation has been absolutely terrible. And so he should go to Kaufman and, and actually be a pretty productive pitcher middle of that rotation for the Kansas City Royals. Another move I like that the Royals made, Seth Lugo. They went out and brought in Seth Lugo, three years, $45 million. It's the third largest contract they've ever handed out. But seven years with the Mets, was a reliever. Then he went to the Padres, got thrown into the rotation there, and had a really good season, 3.57 ERA, and uh, nearly a strikeout per inning across 26 appearances. And so, yeah, it's $45 million, so It's a bit of a, a hefty price tag for a guy like Seth mm-hmm. Lugo, but a nice addition to what they're trying to do in building a rotation in Kansas City. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot Seth of money. Lugo. That was your five. I, no, that's, no, I lost. No, 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 that's my third one. Oh, okay. Uh, Aaron Nola staying in Philadelphia, seven years, one hundred seventy-two million dollars. Mm-hmm. He's been pretty consistent arm in that in that rotation. And then the Juan Soto trade. If you're the Yankees. You're getting once again. It seems so weird that he's now on his third different team. Yeah. As good as he is, but I think that's... I still don't think he's reached free agency. No. Uh, I have that. I So my fifth is Shohei to the Doyers. And 
The reason it's fine, it's on there because it's massive. Yeah, and I, I just left it out because I left out like big, big yeah. money deals like that. That was the story of the offseason, though. I mean, it was all Shohei all the time. The reason it's five is it could easily be number one, right? I think we both agree. Right. It, it could very the reason well be. reason it's five is who's really surprised that he went to the Dodgers? Right. The surprise is the money. No one's surprised that he went to the Dodgers. That's so. And will time tell if that's money well spent? It's a long contract. I don't know. I think with the markets, it opens them to and Yamamoto, I think they're going to make their money back. Probably I think they'll, they'll be, all right financially. I think they'll probably be okay. Number four, I think Eduardo Rodriguez to Arizona is a big signing. Yep. Rangers had five guys throw at least 100 innings last year. The Diamondbacks had two, and they had to go with bullpen games. This is the team that got to the World Series throwing bullpen games as part of their rotation. I think Eduardo Rodriguez sliding in there. Gallon, Kelly, Fat. I think those are... That's going to be a really good rotation going forward. I have Nola re-signing with Philadelphia. That's big. Juan Soto to the Yankees, number two. I have Tyler Glass now to the Dodgers. That's a good one. We talk a lot about Yamamoto. Shohei's not going to pitch this year. Tyler Glass now to the Dodgers is a big deal that I think flies under the radar with everything else the Dodgers have done this offseason. All right, top five future Broncos quarterbacks. Yeah. All right, five through one here. Jake Browning will be a free agent. He's got the exclusive rights. If I have him on here as well. Number four, we've got Sam Darnold because everybody thinks they can fix Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Number three, because he coached him and he likes him, Jameis Winston. Number two, Jared Stidham. Number one, I'm liking me some Michael Penix Jr. I think teams might be afraid of him because of the injury history. Mm-hmm. like to think that's maybe behind him now. Throws a great deep ball, super accurate. I, I like Michael Penix Jr. I didn't go with the draft guy. I have Jake Browning on here as well. Now, if the Bengals offer him, it, he's not going to be a free agent because he's got that exclusive rights right. tag, which is so that's wonky, a little, cav- but, little caveat there. But I have him too. I totally agree with you. If they they should too. Also, the Bengals they should absolutely keep him aboard. If they don't, I think the Broncos. Sure. Tyler Huntley. He's young. He's played really well. He's learning a lot from a very veteran based organization i have jacoby Brissett. he's a solid hand he's a good bridge if maybe a quarterback doesn't come to you in the draft this year i have the gritty gutty need that the broncos absolutely need they need somebody kind of gutty gritty you know who i'm talking about this baker mayfield jr yeah. third i love him and then my number one is Jameis winston all right there you so go you think you throw that you didn't throw the ball down the field enough <laughs> bring in Jameis winston go 30 and 30. <laughs> Drive Broncos fans. Well, he got he got uh, LASIK, didn't he? Didn't yeah, did that fix everything? He got LASIK. Yeah, so. got him not beat out Derek Carr. <laughs> All right, uh, that's uh, pole dancing today. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Mav Day is coming up next, right here on the Jim Davis Show.